This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Three Lions podcast. My name is Russell Osborne and this is an independent England supporters podcast that looks at our national football team. Coming up in this episode, we look back on a Scandinavian job that was, well, hard work and not without a few bumps in the road. We'll talk with Dom Smith from englandfootball.org about that. And we'll also touch on the under-21s who were in Euro 2021 qualifiers, away to Kosovo and Austria. Well, that last episode saw a few changes between me recording it and releasing it. A fair few changes from the initial squad to the one that travelled for the Nations League games. We knew about Harry Maguire, but Marcus Rashford quickly followed, citing the fixtures came just a bit too soon for him. And Harry Winks pulled out saying on Instagram, I'm gutted at not being able to meet up with the rest of the squad for these international games. It's always such an honour to represent my country and missing out is very disappointing, but it's a must right now. I'll be cheering on the boys from home. Which was a bit vague and certainly makes you jump to a few conclusions. But in came Arsenal's Ainsley Maitland-Niles, Wolves' Connor Cody and the big one, Aston Villa's Jack Grealish, which pleased many. And for both games, there was a nice touch from the FA, who hung a large St George's cross flag in both away ends that was made up of all the towns and cities that travel club members hail from. You probably saw it on the telly, although perhaps not as big as we all hoped for, but we were all there. Now, I watched both games from the comfort of my own front room, It's never really nice watching England on the telly at the best of times, especially when I go so often, but I didn't like the idea of watching it in a pub where everyone is a critic. I think we know the type. So before we speak with Dom, my own take on the break. Results-wise, well, the least I would have taken before the games was four points. So four points we got. So the win in Reykjavik was good. Because at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Start the campaign off with three points and build from there. So better start than the one we had in the last campaign, where if you remember, we lost to Spain at home. As Gareth Southgate said in his post-match interview, it was a mixed bag, but we leave here with a win, which gives us some momentum going forward. Now he's always going to have his critics, is Gareth as has any England manager, past or future. But the knee-jerk reaction from many on social media, it was the same old England, boring England. Hashtag Southgate out was trending on Twitter. Now, I generally don't have issues with people's point of views. Generally, I tend to ignore them. Uh, But especially if they can back them up. But I've yet to see anyone give a better alternative to Gareth. It's just always Southgate out, this is boring, this is rubbish, no alternatives given. Because frankly, I'm not sure there is at the moment. Now these are strange times and under normal circumstances, the Premier League would have been up and running for three weeks. Players would have had a decent pre-season and time to get match fit. But that's not the case at the moment, so we deal with it. A club side nicks a win in the last minute after not playing particularly well. 
You move on to the next game, forgetting about it quickly. Generally not sticking the boot into the club manager. But it's three points, and come the end of the campaign, the difference between a draw and a win may prove crucial. And to be honest, I think Iceland deserves some credit for the way they defended. A couple of England blog posts ran with revenge of a sort, but luck played a major part in Reykjavik. That was from englandfootball.org. And threelions.net. What is it about Iceland? So then we came to Monday, the day before the Denmark game. Phil Foden and Mason Greenwood were sent home individually after it was revealed that they had broken strict COVID team guidelines around the squad bubble. It's no secret that they met two girls on the same team hotel complex, but away from the park where the team was staying within. Such a shame, as both had made their debuts against Iceland, although fair to say neither were as exceptional, but it's going to tarnish the memories of what should be the start of a promising England careers for both of them. I don't think in the long term this will affect them, but Gareth Southgate had no option but to send them home. They risk the safety of themselves, the squad and the prospect of the Denmark game, which I'm sure UEFA will have investigated and will be looking at. This at a time when we, as individuals, are having to be aware of who, what, where and how we behave. And for two footballers to be caught like this in the public eye is naive, silly. And there is the age-old argument that they should be setting an example as individuals This was just downright stupid. And with the Maguire situation, long before the team had left the country, this was the last thing Gareth Southgate and his team would have wanted. He and the FA must have been pulling their hair out. Walker sent off, then these two sent home. Whether they return to the squad for next month's games remains to be seen. Personally, I don't think so. But one thing's for sure, Gareth brings players into the squad not just on ability but attitude too. I don't think this incident will be forgotten very quickly. So with that behind them, the team flew onwards to Copenhagen where Wolves, Connor Cody and Calvin Phillips from Leeds were handed their debuts. Both done enough to be considered again, but as the game went on, it was clear we needed something creative. Although it seems Gareth begs to differ, as he was quoted saying post-match, I'm not concerned about the lack of creativity. Against Iceland, there was no space at all, and I've lost count of how many players we have missing. But I do think, personally, bringing Mason Mount on, on the hour, and Grealish with 15 minutes to go, was too little too late. I felt the change was needed at half-time. And despite Kane having a shot cleared off the line in added time, I did wonder whether he should have been changed right at the start, or at half-time. Danny Ings went all that way, for pretty much 20 minutes of game time. Obviously Kane is captain, but really shouldn't stand in his way if he's not match fit. Now, let's speak with Don Smith from englandfootball.org, who said about that Denmark game... Denmark proved tough test for makeshift England. Hi, Dom. Hello there. You all right? Very good, thanks. And yourself? Yeah, well, not too bad, thank you. It's been a while. I think last time we spoke may have been may have been last year, wasn't it? it? Certainly was, back when England scored goals. 
Yes, yes, that was the case. But I, I take it you've been well in this interim period. As well as you can be without international football. And then when it came back, it was all a little bit drab, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Yeah, we waited 293 days for some England action and we were served up 180 minutes of... Uh, Non-action. Yeah, not the most exciting of action. Yes. Well, let's let's start at the beginning. Iceland. Well, well, what about the squad? Tell me what you thought about that initial squad, because there was a few eyebrows raised right at the very beginning, wasn't there? Yeah, in terms of the initial squad, Grealish wasn't in. Uh, people were were tapping away on Twitter for about two days about that. Mm. And I, I do understand why. He is one of England's most talented players. But if Gareth Southgate doesn't see him as a as an attacking midfielder and does see him as a winger, as has become clear, then you totally understand why he wasn't picked. Because I wouldn't say he's above Rashford, who, to be fair, did drop out in the end. I wouldn't say he's above Sterling or Sancho. Um, and clearly Gareth, I wouldn't agree with this, by the way, but clearly Gareth thinks like Hudson-Odoi and uh, Greenwood are ahead of him too. So it's going to be very difficult for Grealish to get more international football than the one cap he earned the other day. But yeah, I think that was understandable, but obviously gutting for a lot of Aston Villa fans uh, on Twitter. And then Cody not in, but I'm glad he he made it in eventually. But it was it was more the players that were in that that I I did question at times. I think Pickford was always going to make it because uh, Gareth uh, loves his quality distribution, and and no matter how bad a season you've had, if you've if you've produced as well as he has for England over the last few years, he was going to make it in regardless. But yeah, um, I understand Dyer. He deserves that after. Becoming a good centre back with Tottenham, but yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have called up Michael Keane if I'm honest. Yeah, he didn't get obviously any action in the end, though, did he? Um, but he was. Uh, he also struggled with a left back, didn't he? he had lots of injuries in that respect. That he that he is Trippier as his left sided or his left back left sided player um, in the two games, didn't he? He was really up against it in that respect. Yeah, he really was, and uh, especially against Denmark when we had. From top to bottom, Sterling, Trippier, and Dyer—all right-footed players out on the left. That—that's hard for any manager. And you can, you can read all you want on social media about how he picked the team in, in a dreadful kind of way. But he's got the players that he's got at his disposal. He wasn't going to pick Danny Rose, who's been really struggling for game time and form. So yeah, he's left with just right-footed players, and that's just how it is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's. This is what we've got. They're the cards we've been dealt. Mm. Uh, so, I mean, let's let's talk about Iceland. I mean, really, I think there's only only four minutes we uh, we can really sort of touch <laughs> on. Or, or, although I guess I guess the first four minutes, or, or the fourth minute, fourth fifth minute, when Harry Kane scored, but was adjudged to have been offside. This is because there's no VAR within. Is it within the whole of the Nations League? That is correct, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, there's no VAR in the Nations League because if, if they did it for England at Wembley, they'd have to do it in San Marino and that's just not going to happen. So yeah, He was onside though, just wasn't he? And perhaps if that had counted, it would have been a, a different kettle of fish because it would have been up and running and on the front foot, but it wasn't to be. No, you're right. He was onside. It annoyed me at the time. Um, but I wrote, in my, I wrote in my match report that it was probably a blessing um, rather than... Uh, a curse because uh, that that number of minutes in against Iceland last time out, need I say, um, really didn't work out well at all getting a goal early on. So it might have been a good thing and eventually just about was. Yeah. I mean, those those last four minutes, crazy, really, weren't they? Um, I mean, I was looking on the website, England Football Online. They gave the they gave the minutes and seconds statistics on sort of this crazy last four minutes. The handball 
was on 88 minutes and 17 seconds, penalty awarded, red card given. Raheem Sterling scores on 90 minutes and 9 seconds. Mm -hmm. And then Joe Gomez then conceded the penalty up the other end, 91 and 9 seconds. And Bjarnason puts it over 92-37. It really was like a uh, all the action happened then, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, Sterling said after the game that, uh, and by the way, that was a dodgy handball. I'm not sure that was necessarily deserved. I understand why they gave it. He did make his body bigger, but it was certainly wasn't a second yellow. I feel a bit sorry for the man, really. Good penalty by Sterling. He, he was safe to go down the middle. Um, could have kicked it a bit harder to keep keep um, us stop biting our nails, but there we are. And then uh, Gareth Southgate calls over Joe Gomez and Eric Dyer and t- tells them to keep it tight. And 31 seconds later, we've conceded a penalty. So brilliant. <laughs> I mean, I, I was talking to my dad, just a little sort of side story here. He, uh, I said, did you see the game? And he goes, no, I was, I was busy doing something else. But I, uh, I saw the result and uh, I, I watched the, uh, the penalty. And so I said, well, OK, so you didn't see the, uh, the other penalty. Other penalty? What other penalty? <laughs> I mean, just really, uh, just <laughs> those two, two penalties were the two. Well, I say the two talking points of the game obviously Carl Walker done himself no favours with a uh, with I guess the other point yeah he was earning his 49th cap has been desperate for over a year to, to get another call up and hopefully get his 50th um, obviously his um, antics during lockdown um, we won't go into them but that was a bit embarrassing and then uh, comes back in and yeah you could see from his post-match interview that he was absolutely gutted very embarrassed I think Gareth Southgate is right to take a red card seriously but I look at other managers around Europe and I don't I don't think Joachim Love at Germany who's an even more experienced and even better manager than Gareth Southgate or Mancini at Italy or any of these top managers managing top European countries would maybe be quite as think of it as quite as big a thing as Southgate clearly does he, he was, he's been pretty notorious when he was under 21 manager at dropping players when they got red cards and I don't think it's quite as much a, a misplacement of trust as he maybe thinks it is but but I suppose it was a, it was an awful challenge and he should have known and he said that himself he should have known I think he might make it in another camp but um just like and for totally different reasons uh Foden Green Foden and Greenwood are going to have to regain their trust I think Walker uh, in, in a different way probably will as well yeah well as I say yeah the it, Cole Walker's post-match interview it's interesting actually to see uh him interviewed so sort of in depth a, a player that's got sent off um yeah. in that in that capacity and being interviewed about it but yeah I I think I think he might make it to 50 it might not be the next camp um but it, i think he may well hit 50 51 caps uh yeah, you mentioned yeah you mentioned foden and greenwood there i think we'll have to touch on it there won't we that was say uh silly really very silly very naive um very immature um they've got got a lot to learn and a lot of trust to be regained haven't they yes i think they've uh, misjudged here how uh, how serious this would have been even even not in COVID times. I mean, uh, I, don't, I don't think they've quite realised the significance of an England cap, uh, an England call-up, clearly on this, because, you know, in may- maybe 10 or 20 years ago, you, you might have got away with that in the England under-21s, but the England under-21s is a, is a big team now, and I don't think they would have got away with it there. So why they tried it in the senior team, I, I think that's... Um, yeah, I think I think that's really, really, really childish. But but they will be hearing that from their loved ones and from people around them right now. So I don't want to add, you know, fuel to the fire. But um, yeah, th- they'll know um, 
what is the case and the case is that they really were naive yeah really let themselves down and, and I imagine well we know that Manchester City Manchester United aren't taking it lightly either um, and Gareth Southgate said there's trust to be to be earned again I can't see them making it back to the uh, the squads next month personally to take a uh, take a hell of a lot of injuries for them to be considered again and it's a shame especially for Foden um, because much like the clamour for Grealish to be put in the in the first team squad we've probably gone a good good year now where um obviously pre-covid where phil foden's name has been banded around saying he should be in the uh, in the starting lineup or at least in the squad so yeah he's he's done himself no favors there right let's uh, let's move on to denmark but before we do that before we talk denmark um let's just hear from a couple of england fans who were in copenhagen Right, let's welcome to the Three Lions podcast, Chelsea and England fan, and of course, one of the prominent members of Block 109. We've spoken to him before. Welcome, Kunal Sapat. Hello, Kunal, you all right? Yeah, not bad. Just uh, sat here in Copenhagen at present. Lovely, wonderful, wonderful Copenhagen, as they say. What's it been like? Um, well, we only, uh, me and a few others, we only got here yesterday on match day, actually. We'd planned to go Iceland and Denmark back when the draw was done. Obviously, plans changed because of the restrictions. We couldn't do uh, do Iceland, so we went elsewhere, and then we decided to still come to Copenhagen. And yeah, it's not been too bad, really. Um, there's a fair few England out here yesterday, um, so yeah, it was an enjoyable day and night. So we actually watched it in a bar. You know, there was quite a few other England fans there, and um, you know, a few flags were up. Um, <laughs> obviously, others who had probably planned to come out um, prior to all the changes still came out anyway. So. So had a sort of a match day, you know, atmosphere and experience just without going to the game, I suppose. Yeah. So, I mean, what what did the locals think of you, though? Uh, I mean, they enjoyed having us there. I mean, they were taking pictures of us um, with our flags up outside the pub. Yeah. Um, you know, the, I think, um, you know, there was a bit of a good atmosphere in the pub because there was locals watching the game, us watching the game. So, you know, a bit yeah. of singing. Um, yeah, it, it was good. You could get away with a bit of singing because obviously we uh, we're told over here in England to uh, maybe keep singing in pubs to a uh, to, yeah. to restriction. So it was slightly different over there, was it? Uh, well, it was similar. I mean, but we did manage to sing bits here and there, uh, but we were told to sit down rather than stand <laughs> up. Uh, you know, COVID restrictions. Mm. But yeah, it was it was good otherwise. And what, what's it been like COVID-wise, um, like the restrictions just in general in Denmark? Um, well, the places were all closing at midnight um, this, um, as for COVID restrictions. Otherwise, uh, similar sort of things, you know, you have to be sat down and sat at a table in places you go to. So similar to England in, in that sense. Yeah. Okay, cool. And I mean, what, let's, let's look at the game. What, what did you think of it there? The game was, uh, I guess it wasn't the most exciting game. <laughs> Obviously, you know, we, we could have done a lot better with the game, but, well, we got a point, but the game was a bit dull at times. Shame we couldn't get a goal uh, throughout the game, but, yeah, it is what it is, you know. Yeah, and what what did you think of the uh, of the Grealish situation? Should he have come on a little bit sooner? Should we, or, or Gareth's squad in general, the, the first 11 he picked? Um, I don't know if it would have made much of a difference if Grealish had come on earlier, but I mean, yeah, it would have been nice, uh, nice to have tried him a bit earlier on. 
in terms of the starting eleven, I wasn't too sure about it to start with. But I don't know. I mean, you know, Southgate has to try a few things out before getting things right. Hopefully, by the time we play Belgium, and hopefully with us there, hopefully you know we'll have better performance by then. Even with the Iceland game, lucky you know to get a late winner. So. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I believe you've got, is it Dom Betts there as well with you? Yeah. Right, Russell, mate. Hello, Dom. Fulham fan, aren't you? Yes, mate. You are indeed. Go on, tell us, um, what, what's Copenhagen been like for you? Yeah, so I got here on Sunday. Actually, it, it was quite last minute, so I still had my flight booked back from when I originally booked it when the draw was made. And then I then I had a voucher for when, obviously, Iceland introduced the quarantine. So then I, I came out here on a Sunday and then I met uh, a few of my uh, lead mates out here. Um, but yeah, no, so, oh, yeah, so I arrived about on Sunday morning. Then I, I managed to get to a second division game um, on Sunday afternoon, which was, uh, it wasn't too far. It was like 15 minutes on the train and 15 minute walk uh, from right. the like Copenhagen. But yeah, it was Avata against uh, Enkobing. And I, I only I sort of looked at it because I'm um, actually the Enkobing manager's Klaus Jensen, obviously former Fulham player. Uh, so oh, I okay. actually got get a picture of him as well when I was there. But yeah, then we... Uh, yeah, met up with the Leeds lot in the centre of town, and yeah, we've, we've just been sort of. I, I looked around, been drinking around there, and yeah, and you didn't really see too many other England fans really until the day of the game, I'd say, though. But it's been like a a semi England away sort of atmosphere, is it? Yeah, it has. I mean, yeah, it's sort of, the first couple of days sort of felt like it was sort of just us out here, but then it yeah, definitely on match day yesterday, bar us going to a game, and it was pretty much an England away atmosphere. Obviously, it wasn't as much as you know. I singing as as obviously you're probably used to in you know the likes of you know Kosovo, Bulgaria, Prague we've had recently, but you know it still felt like a, an England away. Obviously, just without without the game, and you know we, we had as 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 said, we had our flags out outside outside the bar. You know there was some Shrewsbury fans there, some Brentford fans there. So yeah, it was it was it was, it was a good mix in there. You know there was there was sort of good banter with the locals. Obviously, once the game was on his side, because there's quite a lot of Copenhagen, uh, Denmark fans, quite a lot of England fans in there. So yeah, no, it was good bit because um. They were closed at midnight on match day, but the previous days before they were actually open until two. You decided to be in the bar you were going to stay in until two by eleven yeah. to stay stay there. But yeah, they introduced uh, new regulations yesterday that they shut at twelve. Like in one of the pubs we went to after the game, um, yeah, I don't think the the bartenders actually been told on new because the uh, police had to come in and tell them that they needed to shut. But yeah, no, apart from yeah, not being able to go to the game, it was match day atmosphere and. Uh, Obviously, me and Kuno went up to the ground today, got a picture of our flag. It was it's a bit of a weird ground when you get there. It doesn't really seem like a football ground because there's like loads of offices around it. And the closest you could get to a view of anything was by the club shop. There was there were, by one of the gates that we had like obviously loads of holes, which you if you put your face right to it, you could see and you could see a corner flag and a bit of the goal net. But that, that was the closest <laughs> you probably get to anything. So not not much like the uh, the Iceland game where there are plenty of fans outside the uh, on the perimeter of it. We spoke to Canal about the Denmark game. Go on, give us your thoughts on the uh, on the first one, the Iceland game. Um, you know, both both games were you know quite turgid affairs, I'd say. But obviously, we did get the win against Iceland. I think I think you know if you if you're looking at the team, it isn't. If you're looking at neither of those teams, would be an eleven you'd expect to be starting in the Euros. I'd say I think you'd expect expect some different players being involved in the. So I think it was this, it, although, and you could definitely, especially uh, moving on to the Denmark game, you could definitely tell that Southgate wanted to experiment a few things in his international break. And I think, you know, four points from the two games we've had here, you know, they, they are, if you're looking at it, the top 16 teams in Europe you can possibly play in the Nations League. So I don't think 
four points is a bad return. Yes, some of the performances were a bit turgid last night. I think we were probably fairly lucky, actually, to get a draw. I think Denmark probably had the better chances, really. We had the one at the end, but they, I think they had probably three key chances in the game where they could have scored. But, yeah, I think it wasn't the greatest. I think it was our midfield yesterday was just a bit disjointed because, obviously, we were playing, you know, it's basically like seven defensive players and then three players up top, and we just weren't getting the ball and into it getting players in behind. So I think maybe the... Um, I think Southgate was more looking to see what players could get out of them yesterday. But yeah, I think that, you know, what they, it wasn't the greatest, but I don't think it's as bad as some people are making out on social media. No, I agree. OK, well, Canal and Dom, thank you very much for your thoughts on those two games. And uh, yes, yeah, safe travels back home and, and we'll catch up again soon. Cheers, Ross. Cheers. Thanks to Canal and Dom there being out in Copenhagen. Um, and we're back to our own Dom here, Dom Smith. Yeah, it sounds like they had a pretty good time there. Well, as good as it can be, and nil-nil, yeah. of course, but, yeah. you know. Go on, let's, let's talk, what was your thoughts on Denmark? Personally, uh, a lot more open than the Iceland game. Southgate made three changes, didn't he? In came Trent Alexander-Arnold, Connor Cody, and Calvin Phillips from Leeds made their debut uh, as well. What, what's your take on the Denmark game? Yeah, not an easy opponent by any stretch of the imagination and not the kind of game which a um, a sort of a manager early on in his career w- would sort of mess around with a with a formation uh, in. So, um, you know, ballsy from Southgate, definitely to, to go back to the three and, and play it in a way that we haven't played before. Because uh, if you remember um, at the World Cup, it was 3-5-2 and this was 3-4-3 so that we could keep the whole Sterling Kane-Sancho thing going. Although, let's face it, that didn't really bring any fruits, did it? But yeah, um, I thought uh, a brave, a brave lineup. Um, uh, I probably wouldn't have played Dyer. I would have played Mings just for that extra left-footed player. G- Gary Neville said uh, on Sky that, that playing Mings wouldn't have unlocked something that England um, didn't have. He, he said that wasn't going to be the answer. But I think it would have got closer to um, being not lopsided. And we were, we did look, we did look lopsided throughout the game. I think Denmark would, did well to create the majority of the ch- of the game's chances, despite having less possession. Uh, and yeah, England controlled the game, but they were never sort of running it in any kind of um, dominant way. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, it did change when when Mason Mount came on, and obviously Grealish came on uh, with quarter of an hour to go, and and obviously the the little highlight was him when he got his first touch of the ball and ran towards the penalty area. Um, but do you think maybe we should have changed things a little bit earlier? Um, Gareth was asked that and said no. Um, he said that the amount of game time and training time that these players had meant that there was very. He didn't really choose when to bring the uh, meant to make his substitutions and what substitutions he was going to make. He said it was pretty much determined already. He, he said that Alexander Arnold hadn't played a single minute um, of pre-season and he needed to take him off, um, however well he was playing. So I think that sh- that shows that you know these fans sat at home that that, that want to play England manager and think that it's such an easy job and that Southgate is an idiot. Um, it's, it really is more complex than that. Uh, I heard a couple of people saying that Mountain Grealish were wonderful when they came on, could have come on earlier. My answer to that was that the game was opening up anyway. Denmark was starting to tire, not not in the kind of way that, that a minnow would tire, but um, yeah, they were starting to show gaps. And I, I honestly think those gaps would have been there even if we'd kept the same lineup on. I, I mean, yes, um, Mount pressed well, Grealish pressed well. Rice was doing that throughout the game, really. Um, but but I, I, I don't think we would have produced any fewer chances if we just kept the same lineup on, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, and thing that I that also caught my eye was was Harry Kane. I I mean, he's, he's obviously not match fit, match sharp 
Um, whether he's carrying an injury of sorts, I don't know. But could Danny Ings have come on and, and had a uh, had a go? Well, th- this is the only um, personnel sort of argument that I've heard over the last couple of days or last day or so that I that I'm happy to get behind and, and I don't think is, is frankly ludicrous. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I totally understand that argument. Danny Ings raring to go. I think Abraham and Mount possibly trained um, less um, than the rest of the squad during this um, this last week. So the idea that um, Mount was going to start a game, I think, uh, was, was was unlikely. Um, you, you don't always hear this stuff, though. This is sort of no. nuanced news that, that, that the, the broadcast journalists would hear, but maybe England fans often don't. But yeah, Mount was was nursing an injury and, and was unlikely to, to start a game, and, and Abraham pretty much the same. So yeah, I would probably have given Ings a game maybe even a full 45 taking Harry Kane off or, or, or just started the man because yeah, his form, he's, he was, a, he's been electric this season or last season, sorry. And he, he actually looked pretty lively in his cameo uh, in Reykjavik. So yeah, yeah, that's probably a change that I would have done as well. So finished there nil nil. Um, as we said, Denmark could have had a, uh, could have won it a few opportunities. We had the, the Kane shot right at the end, nil uh, nil ended, but the knives well, I don't know, knives probably a little bit harsh, but there was certainly a lot of uh, some anti-Southgate stuff over the last few days. What? Well, how do you sort of follow up on that? Uh, I think it's very easy to to say these things when we're sat at home and not in amongst it and realising quite how hard the job is. I mean, off-the-pitch distractions have gone through the roof this week um, and for the last three weeks that Southgate's been building up to this. Um, lots of dropouts for injury or another reason. Um so, yeah, that's difficult. 11 dropouts in total. Uh, Walker, red card. Madison, Oxlade-Chamberlain, Chilwell, Shaw, Henderson, Winks, Rashford injured. Greenwood, Foden sent home. Maguire involved in a legal case. So uh, it's not as easy to play England manager as we might think it is sat at home watching. And another thing I would say is I've heard Gareth Southgate described as a pushover over the last week. Well, I mean, I've listened to his to all the press conferences he's given this week and uh, he was asked if he needs to lie down and he said no I've spent uh, 10 months doing that like the rest of us I'm absolutely fine thank you very much I think he's probably more assertive than we give him credit for it just he does it in a sort of quiet quiet kind of way that, that maybe he doesn't people misunderstand it I think a little bit I mean we've played against the sixth the 16th best team in the world and uh, and got a draw with them in their backyard which yes of course and he said it himself we'd usually be pushing to winning that kind of game but it's not always possible with the, with the, with the players you've got we did we nearly did in stoppage time that's that's of course how close the margins are so uh, the only thing I would say about Southgate is perhaps he's a bit too loyal towards players he saw Dyer at center back and I like Eric Dyer I'm not I'm not a hater of that man but uh, he saw him in the first game. Perhaps he could have given Mings a run out in the second. Starting Grealish, well, he, does, he doesn't see him as a midfielder. So was he really going to start him ahead of Sancho? Maybe, probably not, though. Pickford's the one I, I would have given this game to Pope. It um, doesn't matter whether you think Pickford's your first choice or not. You, you need to at least see these other goalkeepers in action. Henderson or, or Pope would have been, I think, fair to give them a cap, a cap. But no, I mean, the number of people that would be happy to become England manager if he walked tomorrow, it, it would surprise people. Hardly anyone, any people want that job at the moment. It's a stressful job and club jobs are just more popular. Uh, so, yeah, Southgate out, not a chance. 
Well, we we know where you stand on that one, and uh, I personally, I, I am of the uh, of the same opinion. Um, you talk of Pickford there. I mean, next month we've got three games. They'll come around quickly. Wales, the friendly. Then we play Belgium and Iceland. I mean, perhaps uh, Pope or Henderson will get a uh, a chance in maybe that Wales game, the friendly. Yeah, I think um, I think it's quite conceivable that they'll get a half each in that game. I think it'll probably be that um, that either, as I say, they get a half each, and and Pickford plays the two Nations League games, uh, or they or they just get a game each. As we've seen with Gareth Southgate, he's not an easy manager to predict the starting lineups of. No, no, you're right. So I say we've got Belgium as well. Belgium currently top of the league. They beat Denmark 2-0 and then they beat Iceland at 5-1. That game is going to be it's going to be a tough one and one that we'd really need to take minimum a point from but obviously being a home game we want to try and take all three from that Belgium one don't we certainly and I think we've got the players to do it um we 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 would have had the players to do it this month um but yeah this is an international break squeezed into a a period of time where it didn't really have the space so difficult for everyone and that's shown off the pitch and on it I'm afraid yeah well we uh we look forward to next month um Dom from englandfootball.org. Thank you very much, as always, um, for your time. And and let's not leave it too long till we speak again next time. No, let's not. International football is back. Thank you very much. (laughs) Cheers, mate. Cheers. So the under-21s have been in action in some Euro under-21 qualifiers. They went away to Kosovo, where it was nil-nil at half-time. Ended 6-0 to England. Eddie Nketiah scored a quick-fire hat-trick shortly after half-time. Reese Nelson scored, Ryan Sessignon scored, then Jude Bellingham scored and in turn became England under-21's youngest ever player and the under-21's youngest ever scorer. That was 17 years, two months and six days. And what a great goal it was too. Uh, this was, of course, the player who moved from Birmingham City to Borussia Dortmund in Germany. And if I remember rightly, wasn't didn't Birmingham retire his number? Which was all rather odd, but that's... Uh, well, that's done with. Uh, and then on to Austria. Something for another podcast, I'm sure. Uh, not this one. And then on to Austria who the under-21s played at the same time. And Day, the seniors, played Denmark. They came away with a 2-1 win. Another goal from Arsenal's Enketia, who has 12 goals in 10 appearances for his country at this level. One behind all-time leading scorers Alan Shearer and Francis Jeffers, who scored 13 for the under-21s. On this occasion, he stole the ball, ran on, dinked it over the keeper. Norwich City's Ben Godfrey got a second before Austria scored their consolation. I've got a couple of Norwich City fans as friends uh, who were quite proud that three Norwich players were in that squad. But I don't think it'll be long before Enketia is being considered by Gareth Southgate, if he's not already. Uh, the under-21s have won all six games in their group and they're six points clear of Austria with four matches remaining. And they're next in action next month, away to Andorra on the 7th of October, home to Turkey on the 13th at Burnley's Turf Moor. Now, next year's under-21 tournament will be held between Hungary and Slovenia, where in March next year there'll be a group stage before the knockout stage will be conducted between the end of May and the first week of June. Now, I'm hoping next month we can speak with someone 
has a little bit more in-depth knowledge about our under-21s than I do. So uh, watch this space. Now, what else has been happening? The Lionesses have announced a new fixture away to Germany in a friendly on Tuesday the 27th of October. That's in Weisbaden. Whilst no games have been played in this international break for Phil Neville's girls, he has announced a 30-strong squad that have been selected to join up at St George's Park later this month for seven days on the training pitch. Some new faces include goalkeeper Hannah Hampton, forward Ella Toon, defenders Esme Morgan, Lottie Wuben moy Millie Turner, wingers Neve Charles and Rinsola Babaji, and midfielder Katie Zalem. Of course, the Lionesses last played at the beginning of the year in the She Believes Cup, and this is a period of time that Phil Neville takes charge of the team until Serena Weigman takes charge in September of next year. I'm sure we'll speak to Rich Laverty in due course ahead of that Germany game. And finally, some England players moving on. Callum Wilson moved from Bournemouth, who of course were relegated from the Premier League, to Newcastle United for £20 and Ben Chilwell moved from Leicester to Chelsea for £45 Of course, neither were in the most recent squad that went to Iceland and Denmark. So on to next month, and probably the quickest succession and amount of England home games since Euro 96, maybe? Uh, Wales on Thursday the 8th in a friendly, then the two Nations League games against Belgium, Sunday the 11th and Denmark 14th of September. We'll do our regular previews of them nearer the time. I have a couple more episodes before then, which I hope you can join me for. As always, if you'd like to get in touch, you can find me on all the social channels, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Just search Three Lions Podcast, or you can email me direct, threelionspodcast at gmail.com. And if you do happen to be around the likes of iTunes, go on, please leave me a review. That'd be nice. But until then, look after yourselves, stay safe, stay subscribed, and don't go getting yourselves into sticky situations where you find yourselves out of the squad. Cheers. Cheers.